What's up, what's up everyone? This is Lee and you are watching or maybe listening to the Business Startup channel. So if you are listening to this on iTunes or in a different podcast platform, there's going to be a couple of different topics that we're going to cover today. But if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, it's going to be broken up into different sections. So today's video or podcast will be starting out with understanding what you do before you do it. And this is primarily for the small future business owner. So let's say I don't know, you want to open up, hypothetically speaking, let's say a gym, like a gymnasium, right? What are some of the steps that you need to follow in order to get that process launched? Well, the most basic things, there's 10 of them, we're going to cover them. So first of all, you need to figure out if you are going to be starting with a DBA or if you're going to be starting with an LLC. And I covered this in a little bit more uh, in depth in one of the previous videos and material. So basically the difference between a DBA and an LLC is that in LLC you are a limited liability corporation and you have a little bit more protection. Whereas in DBA, which is a fictitious business name, you're doing business personally, you're liable personally for everything. So if something happens, uh, someone you know can go after your assets a lot easier versus having an LLC, which is a, you know, a great way to start. The second thing that you're gonna need is a bank account. So banking, in general, it's very similar, but some banks, for example, work with you a little bit better, others don't. Uh, you know, one of the questions is, you know, are you going to be taking out any business loans, for example, to get your business up and running? If that is the case, you know, perhaps a smaller bank, a union type bank will be able to help you out with that. And, you know, a bigger bank might not be able to help you out with that. So one of the questions is, what banks will you be uh, what you'd like to go with. And, and one of the ways you could determine that is by looking at the third thing, and that is what type of merchant account or online processing do they offer? Uh, for example, Wells Fargo uses this thing called Clover. Clover is a super awesome service. If you ever have any issues, uh, you know, you can call them directly, you can troubleshoot, there's chargebacks. So, you know, that's not what you call the cheapest service, but it's a very convenient service. On the other hand, if you're just having, let's say, if you're using a union bank uh, and you have a merchant account, or maybe you don't have a merchant account, you could always use something like PayPal or Square or Stripe. Um, Square is something that's still very important. Uh, again, you have to see if that's something that's for you, but for that you just need a checking account, right? And then you could start processing credit cards. The fourth thing is in the business of your operations, especially let's say again, back to the example of this being a gym, uh, what is the specific city business license that you will need? And usually the city isn't so fast to provide you with the license unless you go through a series of steps. Uh, like planning and zoning and once they go through that once all of the other departments in the city sign off on that then and only then do you actually get your business license and sometimes it takes you know if you have to do construction within the facility let's say your gym uh, you know it's gonna take you some time so that's something to consider the next one is specialized licensing uh, specialized licensing, you know, it differs. We'll, we'll take a look at two different spectrums, for example. Uh, the first one is, let's say, tobacco, right? In order to get tobacco, you might have to get cleared with the ATF. I don't know what the process is now. Uh, but, you know, you have to get specific licensing in order to sell tobacco problem. Pro uh, tobacco products because they're regulated you know on the other hand let's say you have something like uh, let's say a preschool right completely something totally different business right 
Uh, but still, because let's say if you're working with children in this type of example, you still need certain type of uh, licensing, which then brings us then to the next question. You know, what type of insurance will you need for your business? Back to the gymnasium or the gym setup question, you're probably going to need some sort of a general liability anywhere from two to four, maybe five million dollars. Uh, and anything else that might be suggested, but for sure you're going to need at least a general liability insurance. Next thing is very simple, but I believe a lot of people will go wrong here, is setting up your email. And we're not talking about massive email marketing and service, we're talking about just your basic email. On one hand, you have a personal email. On the other hand, you have a business email. So if, let's say, your gym is called Rick's Gym, right? It would be really great if you could have something like ricksgym at gmail.com. There are other solutions, but that's a free solution, and that sounds a little bit more professional than um, hugsandkisses37 at yahoo.com, right? So with that said, once you have a business email, and again, you could use like a regular Gmail account, make sure you set up your signature in there, right? How do the people contact you? As their telephone number? Uh, would you like to attach any type of picture extra to that? So once on every email that goes out, you have some something professional on the bottom so people can see what it is that you do. Next one is a website. This is number eight. Uh, website, you could go one of two ways. You could go the cheap route or you go the expensive route. In general, unless you're doing search engine optimization and you're really heavily involved with your website, you could start the cheap route and then upgrade. The cheap route, basically, just get a domain name like www.yourwebsite.com. You link it to a hosting service, something very simple where just you have some pictures, some basic videos, and you get things rolling. Now, if you haven't even started your business yet, but you're already starting to shell out a lot of money, be very careful how much money you actually spend on your website. People make a big mistake sometimes spending just bizarre amounts of money on a website. Uh, I remember I went through that mistake. I spent almost five grand the first time around where I was new in business, and I said to myself, wait a minute, that's $5,000 worth of leads I could have been trying to get versus it, and just have like a free little cheap website to start. But again, that depends uh, on your situation and how things are unfolding for you. If you need help with that, just contact me through the private Facebook group. The next thing, number nine, is a marketing budget or marketing strategy. You'll be surprised how many people fail in this particular uh, approach, this number nine. You see, if, if you don't have a process of the reach or if you don't have a marketing budget, then how are you going to get clients? The answer is you're probably not going to be very successful Granted, maybe I am wrong and you might be that special case, but if you don't have a marketing budget and you can't reach the clientele, then whatever it is that you're doing, be it a business or a service, uh, it's probably not going to go very far. The tenth thing and the final thing uh, is the first yearly plan of set goals for your business. You know, write out the goals that you want to achieve in your year one of business operations. Many do not do this. Usually when you write things down, and you look at them on a daily basis of your goals, especially in your business operations, you're more focused and guided versus trying to just get pulled in any in which direction without actually understanding where it is that you're trying to get to. Uh, with that said, you know, your end goal should for the most part be the same, but how you get there, the tactics could change and you could maneuver, but the final end goal or goals, you know, choose anywhere from three to five and really try to stick to those. 
Alrighty, so if you need any help in this particular section, just go to businessstartupchannel.com, hit that video tab, and then it'll take you to the video and uh, there'll be a free PDF that you could use to get organized and help yourself uh, in this particular module. If you have never operated a business before and you're looking at working with a business partner, here are some things I would highly suggest for you to do and or at least be aware of. First one is you really want to compare and contrast the strengths and weaknesses between you and your potential business partner. Uh, for example, one can be the person that's you know the front face, the other one is the person that does all of the back end work. Uh, it's, it works great when you are weaker where your partner is stronger and you are stronger where your partner is weaker. This creates a balance. And usually that's the very first thing that I try to look for if I'm getting ready to launch something and there's a potential business partner. How will I benefit as in what are my weaknesses that my business partner can help me, uh, help me with when, when it comes to business operations? The second thing is, uh, can you test each other before you actually start working on bigger projects or a bigger business? Uh, from my experience, I could tell you that it's great to start working on the very, very small projects at first, something that doesn't take a lot of money or maybe doesn't take a lot of time. These are the things that like, hey, if they go wrong or they're not really right, uh, you know, you really don't have certain financial pain after you're trying to do these things. This is a great way to test and see if you and your partner could work together on small projects. If you cannot work together on small things, what makes you think that you're going to be successful working on big things? You're probably just going to end up spending a lot of money, a lot of time, and both of you are probably going to end up being not so happy at the end. The third thing is, um, understanding your partner's last 10 years uh, and what I'm talking about is specifically their habits. What are the habits of your business partner? You know, do they sleep in, that's, I don't know, till 11 o'clock every day, right? Because let's say if you're doing a business that requires you to work every day at six o'clock in the morning, let's say just hypothetically, and your business partner sleeps in till 11, it's gonna be very difficult for your business partner to mold in and get into that groove of operating at 6 a.m., right? So, but, but that's just one example. What are their habits and what are their bad habits, right? Maybe they drink late, right? So you want them to come over with a hangover the next day. There's a lot of little things to look and understand, right? So I would say it's good practice to uh, go out to lunch or dinner with your potential business partner a couple of times in the beginning and try to learn about each other. So if things don't work out, how do you proceed afterwards, right? So it's important to understand who is responsible for what, right? Maybe one person is responsible for marketing. Uh, the other person is responsible for fulfillment or shipment of product, right? Or maybe there's a third partner and that person is responsible for sales. So who is responsible for what? Write it down, agree to it, delegate it, sign off on it. Trust me, it's going to help you if there's ever an issue. The fifth thing to uh, take a look here is how does your potential partner handle negative situations? Why would you want to work with somebody who is immature when there is a problem that needs to be handled, right? Uh, for something like this, I would actually even recommend testing each other, right? Is there a problem? 
And what can then, let's say, your potential business partner do or how does he or she act to this in order to correct the issue, right? And then watch how they proceed and how they conduct themselves in the moment of trouble. The sixth thing is do not choose a partner on a guess. There are many, many individuals who operate their very first business or start with the first business who um, who have a business partner that they went with simply because they're A, they're part of their family, maybe like some distant cousin, to maybe they're, they are a good friend, maybe an associate at work. So all of these things, these are like labels of people who are close to you in your proximity. That doesn't make them, however, a good business partner. Having a friend and having a business partner are two very different things. A business partner is somebody who can tell you when there's an issue or a problem that, hey, you need to correct this, we need to do this, right? Someone that can actually call you out on the problem. Where the friend, well, a lot of times friends don't want to hurt your feelings. And the question is, what's important, your feelings, right? Or actually making a profit in your business? That's a good question. Number seven, can you speak openly and unfiltered to each other? If you are constantly holding things back between you and your potential business partner, maybe you come from different backgrounds, communications could break down and that's a problem. Usually signs of trouble when it comes to business operations is when somebody can't communicate clearly. So you want to make sure that, hey, how do you, how do you guys talk to each other? Or how do you gals talk to each other? Are you clear in your understanding of each other? The eighth thing is what I call the partnership split. And it's very important. I'm gonna first of all tell you what try not to do. And that is the 49-51 split. If somebody was to come to me and say, hey, we're gonna do a 49-51 split, and let's say I'm being offered 49%, I will have to do almost just about the same amount of work as my partner, but on any major or key issue, I'm not the one making the shots on this, right? So when you do a 49-51 split, there's one person who's gonna be in charge uh, and responsible for making the big decisions, whether you agree with them or you disagree with them. So in a situation like that, if it's not a 50-50 split, you know, why can't it be an 80-20 or 70-30, right? So you could take a smaller cut hypothetically speaking, but then you are not, you're only responsible for delegating or doing certain tasks. You're not uh, the one who's doing 51%, the person who has the majority of the voice in, in the potential partnership. The ninth thing is, if things go south, will your partner financially invest to course correct the issue, right? What are the finances involved between you and your business partner as you start your very first or maybe fifth business. Who's contributing what? And is there more money that could be put towards the business if something goes wrong? And if something does go wrong, and let's say your business partner tries to bail on you, did you sign off on any kind of contract saying, hey, if you bail on me uh, within the first 12 months of business operations, uh, you're gonna have to pay for, you know, for, a, B, and C, so hypothetically, let's say um, the pullout clause is like $25,000, right? Just, again, giving you an example. So if your business partner splits on you and they can't put any money down and it's been less than 12 months, did you have on paper saying, you're gonna pay me this much, right? And if you don't, well then, we're gonna have to find another means to get that taken care of. The 10th thing and the final thing for this is, what are other commitments 
of your potential business partner at the moment uh, before you even begin your partnership, right? People are married, people have kids, maybe your business partner is going to school, uh, maybe your business partner already has another business. If you do not understand uh, the whole picture as to the commitments of your business partner, when you need help, if you need help, your business partner might not, not, might not be there to help you and close the gap. So the 10th thing I would ask is, what are the commitments of your business partner? And at the same time, what are your commitments, right? What can pull you away from, uh, from you know, testing or operating your business? With that said, if you need any more help, by all means, go to the free Facebook group or businessstartupchannel.com. Um, if you go to businessstartupchannel.com, there's going to be a, a PDF attached to this particular video of this particular module that can help you get a little bit more organized. So this is a place where we help people transition from a nine to five into business ownership and then independence. Today's module or part of the podcast is called Just Start Already. So believe it or not, a lot of people never actually get to starting their business for certain reasons. And we're going to look at some of those right now. So the first one is usually it's a lack of direction and in this lack of direction, you're constantly looking for someone's permission. The question is, why would you be looking for someone's permission when, if you're going to be doing this, you're going to have to be uh, someone independent, you're going to have to grow, and therefore it is you who has to make the decisions. You can't constantly look up to somebody if you're going to be running a business. Granted, there are other things you could do, find mentors and learn about things, but you have to make a decision yourself and not ask for permission. So a lot of times, you know, depending on where it is that we work, we'll probably have a boss and we're used to, you know, taking certain orders and doing things in a certain fashion. And that a lot of times put constraints into our ability to think outside the box. And, you know, we're always looking for direction. So again, every situation is relative, but if you're used to working for someone, and you have a lack of direction unless you're told to do something, right? This is something you're going to have to bridge when it comes to opening up your business. Um, you know, you have to make the decision yourself that, yes, I'm going to do it. Like, you have to own it. You can't just sort of try to beat around the bush. Second big issue when it comes to people not starting a business is procrastination, right? Maybe you don't have, pardon my French, a fire under your ass. You really don't need to move fast. And usually, when people procrastinate, so much time gets spent on not executing and actually performing actions that could guide you or get you to the goal that you want to do, that we lose years, sometimes decades of time. In many cases, it's far too late. Due to procrastination, you've never done that one thing that you wanted to do in this particular uh, you know, aspect of its business. So don't procrastinate. The third thing is fear of the unknown. All right, welcome to business. There's gonna be a lot of unknowns thrown your way. Uh, great way to build your character. There's gonna be problems, you're gonna to have to tackle them, and they are going to come from the unknown. You can never be ready for everything. So uh, just because you don't know something doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, study, attempt, and push in a direction. You can always course correct, but again, uh, as, as we grow, I could tell you that uh, if you want to become a good leader and not just a business owner, you're going to have to be able to tackle those things where you don't know what might be around the corner. The next thing is the lack of belief in self. So 
if you don't believe in yourself and you're running a business, why should I believe in you and in your potential success, right? If you, now sometimes it takes time to build this confidence and one of the ways to do it is by starting small. So every time you start in a small project and you're successful, your confidence builds. So you can always start small and progress in tiny little steps, but as long as you're consistent, uh, it's gonna be in your favor. So at least start somewhere and do the best you can to progress, right? You don't have to try and eat the whole pie at the same time. The next thing is, um, it does not fit into what you're doing in life, right? So maybe you want to start a business, but at the moment it just doesn't fit, right? Maybe, you, again, you're married, you just had kids. So uh, some people use this as a temporary or permanent excuse as in, hey, uh, you know, this doesn't fit into what it is that I am doing. Another thing to think about is if you have other commitments and priorities, right, are they preventing you from just starting already, right? Again, that's something we already covered briefly before, but that's something to think about. The next thing is, well, guess what? This is now where, again, pardon my French, but if you have a lot of these excuses and you believe yourself to be a future entrepreneur or you wanna gain independence and walk away from the nine to five, you have to look at all of that as bullshit. And the reason for it is, Bullshit will prevent you from doing things that are significant and will not allow you to move forward. And people have a tendency to dwell and live in the state of bullshit, and it's not good, right? You have to conquer it by being clear in your actions and performing actions, even if they're wrong, but you have to start moving forward. Therefore, just do it, right? Like that Nike slogan. Starting will involve a risk, um, and that is a good thing. Why is it a good thing to have this risk, right? You might not know everything about it. Well, because partially relating to what we talked about a little bit earlier is risk is uncertainty and you have to conquer that within yourself in order to achieve something a little bit more for yourself. Now, risk, however, parallels opportunity and in general, it provides a great learning experience that you learn in the field, whatever it is that you're doing, hands-on, right? It's not theoretical. You're actually learning as you are committing to action. Now, changing circumstances requires doing what is, you know, what most don't, and, and that is, you know, thinking outside the box and acting outside the box. So when you just start your business, you might not get a lot of help. You might be in a position where you're not sure what you're doing. That's fine. First time business owners go through this all the time. Take that experience to learn. So the truth is, and, and this is a very sad truth, but the truth is that many will only act uh, and, and start a business because in their current life circumstances, they are no longer willing to tolerate the pain, right? It's no longer tolerable. And therefore, they're in a position where they have to do a change. They have to do something in order to improve their situation. The problem with that is, is that we as human beings have a tendency to tolerate a lot of bullshit and by doing so, we're stripping away our own opportunity, right? You don't really have to tolerate the BS. The question is, what is the BS? Is it holding me back from doing my business? If I take the risk, what's the worst that could happen, right? And do it. So that would be my advice for that. Don't uh, dwell on things that may or may not be, right? There's a saying, there are those who believe that they can, 
and there are those who believe that they can't, and both are usually right. I apologize, I don't remember who the original uh, author of that saying was. So if you need any help, you could go to businessstartupchannel.com. You could check out this video. It's going to be under video number 15. Um, and there's going to be a PDF attached to it where you could get a little bit more organized and help yourself in this particular aspect of business. Everyone, thank you so much. This is Lee. You have a super awesome day.